Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with your treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life, you'll have all you need, just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life, you'll be on your way any day you decide to start. You'll be set for life You'll be set for life He already conquered the whole south. We're in Joshua uh, 11, by the way. And uh, he conquered all the south. And so verse 2 says that they're from the north. The northern kings are afraid of what's happening in the south. You hear about this conquest going on in the south, you're like, uh-oh, we better do something. These kings, the northern kings, they, called, uh, they sent a call to arms to everybody to come and fight against Israel. Now, there's a Jewish historian named Josephus. You may have heard of The him. history of the day back then. He speculated that this new northern alliance that they're contending with now consisted of 300,000 soldiers, maybe, give or take, 10,000 cavalry troops, 20,000 chariots. This is by far the biggest force that Israel has ever encountered yet. You know, leading up to this, they encountered Jericho and Ai and all these places. We're like, wow, how are they going to take that? Okay, well, now you got the whole north together. (laughs) This is big. Ever noticed how your trials sometimes seem to get bigger and bigger as you go? And you thought that last one was bad? Now look at the one you got coming. You ever been there? Keep a parallel eye on this here, okay? Because the, the, the trials they're dealing with are stepping up. Biggest they've faced yet. The odds of winning are pretty much not in Israel's favor. Except the fact that God is in the fight with them. God fights for Israel. You know, <clears throat> this makes me think of one thing. When I look at my trials and my problems, and I look at how the odds are against me, And I'm probably not going to make it. And everybody says, it doesn't look good for you. So what? You've got the Lord God with you. Go into that battle with Him and who cares what the numbers look like, what the stats look like. Because remember, God gave Joshua a promise. When God gives you a promise, you've really got something in your favor there. You know, God has promised to make us conquerors, did He not? He gave him a promise. And Joshua passed that promise down to his men by the the last group of kings that led an alliance against them. He had them step on the king's necks. They they got their armies, but they stepped on the king's necks. They killed them and threw them back in the hole they were hiding in and covered them up and said, this is what your victory is supposed to look like. You should have your enemy under submission, step on its neck. This is what what victory looks like. And so we need to remember that when we, as believers of Jesus Christ, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. 
we already have the victory won. So it's not like you have to go and achieve a new one. So he's trying to, he's trying to remember, Joshua's remembering the promise that God gave him. That, that all the enemies against whom you fight, you can strike them and kill them. And that's what they did to this, these kings before. But now here comes these northern kings with the biggest force they have ever, ever contended with and ever seen. When I read the stories like this, I try to throw myself in the, in, into the picture. I try to imagine I'm standing there with them. And I try to think of what are my options here? Okay, I'm in the army, and this is the biggest force we've... Yeah, we did Jericho, but it wasn't as big as this. I've got two choices. I can fear, or I can fight. I can fear, or I can fight. And that's what I want to call this message today, is Joshua 11, fear or fight. Because we are all confronted with this choice, pretty much daily, to fear or fight. And they're going to have to make the choice to fight, because that's the only way forward. And you know, that's the way it is with our lives as well is sometimes we just have to make the clear-cut choice to fight. Because if you fear, the enemy's going to have his way with you. You're going to be worse off than you were. So, Joshua 11.6, God is reminding them, But the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. And I know some people are thinking, God said this? <laughs> God said this. Hundreds of thousands of people, you're even going to, you're going to, God said to kill them and hamstring the horses? But what I find interesting here also is how God gives Joshua a timeline to the victory. Do you see that? Timelines are important in the Bible when you see it. He gives them a timeline. He gives them a timeline. He says, by this time tomorrow, we got to figure the Israelites just had a battle. Not too long ago that they took on a, a big force of people and, and God says, don't stop until they're all done. Well, it started getting dark, but the sun started going down. So Joshua commanded the sun and moon to stand still, and it did. Now, I know a lot of people, they don't buy this sort of thing, but it happened. God's got power to do that. And the sun literally stopped and it stayed there a whole day just so that Israel could have enough daylight to finish the battle. <laughs> okay, so here's the force that's even bigger. And I'm thinking, who? I guess the sun and moon's going to have to stop again. You know, this is going to be bigger than the last thing we did. But God says, uh, this is going to be done by tomorrow. Did you see that? That means you're going to have more success in this battle than you had in the last one. <laughs> That's what I saw with this. And so Joshua might be thinking, gosh, if beating the south took longer than a day, what's this one going to be like? But God says, by this time tomorrow, they're all going to be dead. By, the, by this time tomorrow, they're all dead. I'd be thinking, if I was Joshua, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. It's nice to know you've got a timeline. It, guys, we're not going to have to be at this for two days. God's going to have, have this all done by tomorrow. But not only do you have to destroy all the men, but you also got to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots too. You know, hamstringing a horse means you cut a tendon in its leg so that it can't walk. I mean, I, I grew up on a ranch, and dealing with one horse was tough enough. <laughs> I can only imagine if Grandpa said, hey, I want you to go hamstring that horse. I'd probably be all day after one horse, okay? But they have to hamstring all the horses, burn the chariots, defeat all the men. That's a lot of work. But God goes, guess what? You're going to be done with this by tomorrow. What? <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> you know, you've got big things on your horizon, I know, and they look huge. 
They're trying to scare, the trial's trying to scare you. And you've got a choice. Fear or fight. Fear or fight. And God gives you victory through Jesus Christ because Jesus already won the victory at the cross. Now, whatever you got, com- got have coming on your horizon, don't be so afraid of it that you back up from it. Because God may have a timeline that seems impossible for you to finish by. But if His hand is in it and you do it His way, it'll get done. Isn't that good? I hope that's encouraging to you. Because I need to hear things like this in the Bible. I need to see these kind of things. That you can do those things. You can do those trials. They're not too big. They're too big if you do it your way. But it's not too big if you do it God's way. Man, I'm just starting up. Watch out. This is exciting. God, you know, I tell people all the time, if the Bible does not excite you, you're not reading it. I mean, this is great. I'm glad to have this. So, according to God's timeline, this is all going to go down. And it's all going to go down fast. It's going to go down fast. This enemy has no idea what's coming, do they? No idea. There's a flip side of every coin. I always say that the coin of encouragement has a flip side to it. It's called warning. Here's the warning. If you are standing in opposition to God, everything might be all right right now. It might be okay right now. But if you don't repent now, then be fully aware that God can take it all down, and when He does, it can all come down fast. You can have victory fast, or you can have defeat fast. Depends on which side you stand on. So my encouragement to you is to get under the blood of Jesus Christ and trust in Him with your trials. Trust in Him with your problems. It can go one of two ways. Which way do you want it to go? Okay? Trust in the Lord. He's got this. Right now is a good time to get right with Jesus. And you might feel secure right now. Oh, I, I got everything pretty good, Ray. My 401k is good. My bank account's good. I got a good job, you know. Hey, this enemy felt pretty secure in where they were standing too, didn't they? They're all about to go down today. Don't get secure in your, in your physical material armor and your, your things and your chariots and your horses and all the things these guys have got. Doesn't mean anything when it comes to God. These kings are going to go down. And when God's wrath comes sweeping through and He's taking everybody down that stands against Him, you're going to want to be repentant before Him before He shows up. Before, that means right now. Before the judgment comes through. You don't wait to see God's judgment coming and go, oh, I better repent now. It's probably going to be too late. By the time you recognize it, it's going to be too late. It's the best time is to get right Now, get under the blood of Jesus while you can before God's judgment comes. Because you see, this this people that are being taken over by Israel, God's judgment on them is Israel. Because God is taking them with Israel. Joshua 11 and 7. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Merom, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who defeated them and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook Misrapoth, and to the valley of Mizpah eastward. And they attacked them until they left none of them standing. Did they attack until they left some of them standing? Did some get away? What did God promise them? None of them. And it confirms that until none of them were remaining. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. 
So there you go. They did it by the time God said they'd do it. By that day, it's done. It's over with. (laughs) I'd be like, wow, look what just went down. The biggest force we ever faced, and it's already over. You remember that time we went to Jericho? (laughs) You remember that time we went to the city of Ai and we lost 36 guys over it? Well, did we lose a single one today? No. Did, they, did anybody get spared of their side today? No, we got them all. If God killed people like this with no mercy and hardened their hearts to get them to attack Israel so he could kill them, well, then God's Israel, God's, the God of Israel is evil then. No, he's not. Don't let your logic have you. Let me explain. Don't run to your logic. It'll mess you up. God doing things like this, it absolutely does not make God evil. It makes Him just. It makes God just. When somebody commits a crime, they have to pay for it. It has to be done. That's justice. Remember, man is the sinner, not God. Man is evil, not God. And I want to show you something in the Bible that you may not have ever read before, and probably no feel-good pastor will ever tell you. It's in Isaiah 45, 7. I want you to see how what God does here. He says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. God does that. Did you know that? I, the Lord, do all these things. It does not make God evil. In the story of Joshua here, all these people that God destroyed, they had become so sinful... They had become so rejecting of Him, so foul and so profaning of Him, that judgment time has arrived, and now it's time for all of them to be destroyed. No mercy. They had opportunities before, but now, time's up. Time's up. It's kind of like this. Let Let me put you in a scenario. I had a good ribeye steak last night down in Danbury. It was awesome. Okay? But if you take a ribeye steak raw and you go out in the summertime and you throw it out on the sidewalk and you leave it out there for a week and you come back to it after seven days, how much of that ribeye steak or bacon in the sidewalk is good enough for you to eat? None of it. I see you shaking your heads. I wouldn't touch none of it because the time of that steak has run out. It has now gotten so foul that you can't do anything with it. It's past the point of no return. You can't use it. It's defiled. It has now been set for destruction. What you do with that stake is you throw it away. You destroy it. Now, some of you might be familiar with Genesis fifteen sixteen. It says the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. What this means is that there is a threshold limit. There's a threshold limit on what God will put up with as far as sin goes. There's, there's a cap, there's a peak to it that God will deal with before He considers a person or a group of people so defiled that the mercy shuts off and the, mercy, and, and the judgment comes in. There's a point that can be reached where mercy is done and judgment comes in. There comes a time when a group of people get so willfully sinful that their cup of, of iniquity is so full to the rim that not one more drop can go in it, that God has to do something. And so when we see that God purposely hardened their hearts to get them to that point, to bring Israel in to destroy them, it's because they have been so willfully sinful for so long. Time's up. 
Romans 11 and 22 says, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell, severity, but toward you, goodness. Which do you want? Do you want the severity of God? Or do you want the goodness of God? He has both. We don't stand and tell God, No, God, you have to be merciful to me no matter what I do, no matter how long I do it. If I want to go to the bar and get drunk tonight, if I want to do drugs, if I want to go cheat on my wife, if I want to beat people up, God, you have to be merciful to me because you are a merciful God. There's a cap that's reached, and then judgment comes in. Don't let that be you. God can be a very good God, but He can also be very severe. And the severe God is the one that Americans do not like to think about. We just want the God who will let us sin. And He and he just, oh, sin away, do anything you want to. He's God. He's good. He has to be patient while we have our own way. No, that's not the God of the Bible. No. I had this debate with somebody that God has to be merciful to this nation, so merciful, and He has been. And I say no, as long as America continues to kill over 70 million unborn since 1973, this nation is provoking God's wrath. Now, for anybody who has ever had an abortion, I want to tell you right now, there is complete and total forgiveness. Don't let it beat you up. I don't know who's done what in here. But I'm just saying, you can be forgiven and experience God's goodness. But for the willful sin out there that this nation is backing up, and I'm not, I'm not preaching political parties here. I'm just preaching the sin of it. It is provoking God's wrath. And there's going to get to be a cap where God says, enough. It's over. And judgment's going to hit. And it's coming. And I don't want you to be under it. I want you to be in God's goodness, not His severity. Because we've seen how He has done this upon these people. The Canaanites through Joshua. The waves of God's judgment are slamming against the dam of God's mercy. And eventually that dam is going to break and it's going to flood this nation with judgment. The people that Joshua wiped out, God says, I've had enough, time's up. But the Gibeonites who feared God got under covenant with Israel. That's why it said they killed all except the Gibeonites. Your choice today is do you want to experience the goodness of God or the severity? It's up to you. You need to get under the blood of Christ. You need to get under that covenant of protection of God's grace, and then you will escape the judgment. But if you will not, and I'm going to do it my way, my way, you've got wrath to look forward to, and it isn't going to be pretty. Because look what happened to this northern group of kings. They all got killed. They're all gone. Joshua eleven twenty one, And at that time Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deber, from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel. Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. None of the Anakim, Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. So Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. So look, God's promise is done. He promised them centuries ago, I'll get you in there. And here they are. And it came with trial so that God could be glorified. Now these Anakim, these Anakites that are mentioned here, these are the same giants that terrified Moses' guys 40 years ago. 
They terrified them 40 years ago. So you can see that God gave this group of people that He set up for destruction, He gave them at least over 40 years to repent and come to Him. 40 years to get right, and they wouldn't do it. So you're thinking God's too quick to come in and destroy these people? He gave them four decades to get right. Quite frankly, I think He gave them more than that. He gave them centuries, but they would not. So there's two sides to this story. One side is for God's people of Israel, and one side for those who were against God. First, let me address those who were against God. At any time, these northern kings and their people could have repented and come to fear God and gotten under a protective covenant, but they stayed defiant to the end, and they experienced the severity of God's judgment. But for the Israelites, they had a choice to make, to fear or fight. They were God's people, but they still had to fight. And even though the trials got bigger each time, the leadership stayed committed to God's original promises and His original vision. Do you know that God gave you a promise that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, fight from that. Don't reject it. You're setting yourself up for judgment. Fight from the promise of God that you can be saved. Boy, that's a lot of stuff in there. So what do I do with it, Ray? I still don't know what to do with it. Here's what you do with it. Those who defy God will be brought down, and it'll come fast. But those who say, you know what? I fear the Lord God of Israel because He's all-powerful. I want to get right with Him. You need to get under His covenant, His protection. And here's how you do it. Follow me in prayer. Father, I have sinned. I have been defiant against You. I have done wrong. And I don't want to experience Your wrath. And Lord, i got trials coming. I don't know what to do about them. They're too big. What do I do? God, I'm completely lost. But Lord, I trust You just like Joshua did, and you gave him incredible success. Lord, I turn it all over to you. My best hadn't done anything anyway. I turn it all over to you. I give my whole life to you. Jesus, you are now my Lord. That means you own me all the way through. Forgive me of trying to do it my own way, not trusting you when you've always been there all along with a promise to make everything well. Help me weather the the war. Help me weather the storms, the trials. And just because they don't go away overnight, I have assurance in your promise that they will. Thank you, Father. I give my life to you now. I now belong to you. I'm going to do it your way. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew, that one makes my head spin because there's so much in there. But I want you to leave here not discouraged. I want you to leave encouraged that whatever it is you're contending with, well, Ray, you don't know what I'm contending with. That's okay. God knows. He's got this. You want success like the Israelites? Put it in God's hands, okay? Do you feel better now than when you first came in? I still got a cold. I mean, I'm still there. But I mean, are you encouraged in your spirit that you can go out there to all those difficulties you're contending with and say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not having it. Today I come to you with the power of God. And now things are going to change. You watch what God does if you'll just let Him have it. I'm inspired by that. I hope that sunk in. I gave it my best. Holy Spirit, you do the rest. Thank y'all so much. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time. Unless Jesus returns for us first, Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. 
We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you through a line-by-line, verse-by-verse study in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.